Hey guys, this is Paige and welcome to the Uniquely Chambers podcast. Join me each week as I dive into topics on transitioning into motherhood, being a stepmom, a new wife, and trying to find a new identity in this new season of life. New in this season of the podcast, my husband Brady was going to be joining us a little bit more regularly. He's looking forward to sharing his journey in fatherhood with a newborn and a preteen, transitioning into a new career, and so much more. We are also really excited to welcome new guests onto the show who bring their own unique experience and knowledge of family life, entrepreneurship, self-development, and everything in between. If you followed us in season one, you already know we prefer the unique path in life, and we're excited to continue to share our experience and what shaped our journey. So let's get to it. Hey guys, all right, so today we're going to dive into what took up most of my year last year, which was pregnancy. For those of you who have followed, you know that pregnancy was not easy for me. Um, A lot of people do say that, you know, enjoy your pregnancy because it's the labor and delivery and the afterwards that are the hardest parts. I would beg to differ. (laughs) Um, If you've listened to any of our social media stuff, you know that I really struggled through my whole pregnancy. But today I'm going to kind of detail some things, you know, that went on through my pregnancy that I didn't expect. As well as, you know, the things that happen that nobody tells you about. Because, you know, everybody talks about how pregnancies are sunshine and rainbows. Well, that's not always the case. So, I'm going to warn you right now. Baby is asleep. I've got Doris, my lovely shark vacuum, um, which is a robot going around the house. And the dogs and the cats are losing their minds. So, if you hear them in the background, I apologize today. Some days, you just can't get away with it. So, we're going to start off by... um, just kind of setting the scene. So last year around March, end of March, um, I just hadn't really been feeling well. Like I had been not feeling well for a little while. I got my IUD out in January and I was just not feeling up to it. And I had had a couple incidents where I was like, eh, whatever. But it, I will very distinctly remember the day that I had a major anxiety day at work. Like my heart was racing. Like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't human and I came home and I was going to an appointment after with Kaylee and she had to physically come and wake me up because I was exhausted and I thought that maybe that was the only way I'd calm down. The next morning I got up and I started puking and I was like, this is strange. And I texted Kaylee. Well, she texted me asking how I was and I told her and she said, oh, she's like, you might want to take a pregnancy test. I was like, eh, I don't think so. Like I, I don't. I don't really, I don't really think that, you know, that's a, that's a thing. And she's like, oh no, you, you may want to take a pregnancy test. So <laughs> I was like, okay. So I had, I had already at that point been going out to get something. So I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll do it. So I grabbed a pregnancy test. I went home and I was like, okay, like, Let's see what's going to happen. I was on my lunch hour. Brady pulled in. I wasn't prepared to tell him yet what I was doing. So I ran out the door, didn't do the test, took it with me, and did it at work. Mistake number one, because then I, it was positive, and then I was like, well, what if it's a false? So then I went out and got another one, and another one, and four later, it was still a positive. So... I broke the news to Brady. Um, I was a little worried about his reaction, but he handled it really well. And yeah, 
So from there, we wanted to wait. I called the doctor. We went in. I did a test with her. Yep, you're pregnant. Um, but I was having some bleeding. So she wanted to do tests back to back. So she left me 48 hours because she said, really, the only way for me to tell if this is a true pregnancy or if you're just going to miscarry is to watch your blood work. I said, okay, no problem. So I diligently went again and got it done. And she also booked me an ultrasound. So I went and saw my ultrasound. And this was two days after my appointment with her. And that's when they determined that I was about 10 weeks pregnant at that point, which I was shocked. I was like, I've been pregnant this whole time. Um, so that was fine. Moved on. We told our families it was really exciting. Uh, this would be probably the last grandbaby because, well, at least on Brady's side, on my side, not so much. My brother and my sister-in-law were pregnant at the same time because they had announced their pregnancy at Christmas. So it was pretty exciting time for our families. They were pretty excited about having a new baby for the whole experience, like all of it. We went to our 12 week ultrasound, which was for, um, the genetic testing and markers aspect of things. And what they don't tell you about that appointment is, so there's two ways you can get it done. You can either get blood work and pay for it through OHIP or in like OHIP pays for it. Or you can, sorry, let me rewind. There's two ways you can do this. You can do it the OHIP way, which is covered, which you do an ultrasound and then you do blood work. Or you do blood work, but the blood work you have to pay for out of pocket. And sometimes that blood work will also tell you gender. Um, I chose to do the OHIP covered because to me, I was like, you know, I, I don't necessarily need to know yet what we're having, but you know, I'll, I'll just go the free route because if we're going to have a baby, it's going to be expensive enough. So we went into the ultrasound, got the ultrasound done, and then I had to have blood work done within 24 hours. So I w walked down the hallway to the blood work place and got my blood work done. And that was an event. Um, <laughs> I will never ever forget this and I will never go back to this place because of it, but I was jabbed seven times before they were able to get blood out of me. It was really traumatic. I don't like needles on the best of days, let alone for them to have jabbed me seven times. It got to the point that I was in panic mode and I said, if you can't do this, you need to find someone who can. So they ended up having to get their supervisor to come out from lunch to do it because I, I was like, I, I just... I can't do this. And she apologized profusely and she said, you should have never been poked this many times. And I said, well, clearly. So about 45 minutes of my time later, <laughs> uh, we got the blood work done. So there was nothing wrong in our genetic testing, which was really great. Um, however, my ultrasound revealed a subchlorionic hematoma. So for those of you who don't know what a subchlorionic hematoma is, it is when your placenta detaches from the outer lining and it creates basically like a little bit of a bleed. So mine was up on the right side and basically she said, I run a high risk between now and 20 weeks of miscarrying and after 20 weeks, like we're kind of in a safer zone because one, they'll try to help me and two, it's, it just means that it's not gonna move as much. So that's at least what the doctor told me. So I thought, okay, so here I was sitting on pins and needles for the next eight weeks, trying to make sure that I didn't do too much. So I wasn't allowed to ride. I wasn't allowed to do physical activity. I wasn't allowed to do pretty well anything. During this whole time, I was extremely sick. Like morning sickness was paramount. 
Um, I thought it was normal, so I just wrote it off as normal, but I began to lose weight. So when I went in for that appointment, my doctor was like, wow, Paige, you've lost like 17 pounds. And I was like, oh, that would be why my clothes are fitting differently. <laughs> She's like, yeah. And then she began to dig. She's like, so tell me a little bit more about it. And I said, well, it's not just morning sickness. It's all day and all night. And, you know, everybody thinks it's just in the morning. It's not. I'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning sick. And she's like, okay, I want to put you on some medication to see if we can help. So medication number one was introduced. And she said, you know, given what we know, I would like to have you in a little bit more often than your regular checkups. Just because I want to keep a closer eye on you. Which I was all for. So fast forward to my next appointment, which I think was at 14 weeks. I went in. And she's like, so how's the medication going? I'm like, it didn't make a difference. So she's like, well, let's switch it up. She's like, actually, you know what? Let's just add one on. So they added another medication. She's like, so this one helps with the nausea and this one helps with emptying your stomach. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're emptying my stomach, but the problem is that it's not even getting to that point. And frankly, I'm not super nauseous. It just, I know it's going to happen. So... I said, okay, I'll try the medications. Fine. Fast forward. Here we are again. And this whole time, I'm like just trying to hold it together and make sure that, you know, I'm not doing too much and monitored the bleeding that I had because I had bleeding all the way through the pregnancy. And um, yeah, it was, it was rough. So fast forward two more times, we added in more medications. Finally, she said, you know, this is beyond me this is beyond me. I need to refer you to the OB sooner. So I had chosen an OB in our local city where my doctor's office was and they called and they asked for a list of my medications and whatever else. And they knew why I was being referred early. And I think at this point I might've been about 19 weeks. So I was like, okay, no problem. So I'm giving them the list of medications. And they're like, okay, you're going to come in for an appointment next week. And I was like, okay. And they're like, well, the doctor wants you to take all of them together. And I was like, what? All four medications at once? Well, yeah, you're going to have to stagger them because you can't take this one with that one and that one with this one and whatever else. And I was like, okay. So I was feeling a little overwhelmed after that conversation. So I ended up calling my family doctor and I told her what had happened. And she's like, I'm going to send you a list of how to take them. And I'm like okay. She's like, that way, you know, like timing wise and whatever. I was like, perfect. She's like, I'll create a schedule. She called me back about 20 minutes later and she said, you know, Paige, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I want to send you for an emergency ECG. I just want to make sure that your heart's okay with you taking all these medications. And that sent up red flags. I was like, if you're concerned what it's doing to my heart, aren't you concerned about what it's doing to the baby's heart? So after talking to Brady and after, you know, talking to my family doctor and, you know, talking about the possibility of this being an issue. Um, Brady and I chose to take me off all medications. They weren't working. There was no pro like there was no reason that they should all work together if they couldn't work individually. So, um, and I was having a lot of counter interactions to the medications. So I was having nosebleeds. I was having incontinence, like you name it, I was having it. So I was like, what is the point? Like, this is not making me any fucking better. Excuse my language, but I was not happy. So we chose to come off all medications and I ended up going to see a naturopath and the naturopath gave me a couple things to work with, but it was more electrolyte balancing to try and help because I 
I was depleting everything in my system. So that was fine. Um, fast forward, I went to meet the OB. And let's just say it was probably not one of the better appointments I had had. Um, in Woodstock, you they have very specific criteria about who can give birth there because they are not set up to deal with high-risk cases. And based on kind of where I was with weight and with what I had going on, the doctor basically in maybe not the nicest way told me that there's you know, I probably won't be giving birth in Woodstock, but she'll see me as a client until then. And I'd have to be transferred to London. And I don't know, it just didn't sit right with me. I left the appointment. I sat with it for the weekend. And then I called my family doctor on Monday and I said, listen, if I can't give birth in Woodstock, what is the point of me having no OB in Woodstock? So they ended up transferring me to Stratford and I got a new OB and I didn't see that OB for a couple weeks. I just kept, you know, dealing with the the throwing up and the gross feelings and um in that time frame I also was admitted to the hospital twice because we thought I was miscarrying um I was not miscarrying I ended up having a bladder infection and then a yeast infection and then I tore back muscles um so there was a lot of things that happened that I wouldn't say are necessarily normal for everybody but for me that was my experience now I will tell you through that whole time my skin was definitely better and I was losing weight which was why I came off my IUD in the first place it just wasn't in a way that was necessarily safe um, so I had some concerns about the effects it would have on our baby and I wasn't really sure what to expect so when I met my new OB, I felt totally different. I was very at ease. She was very on top of my case. She micromanaged it um, right off the hop after talking to me. My first appointment was more of a consultation to get to know me. The second, she came with information and she came prepared to talk. And that for me meant a lot because it, I, you know, being a first time mom, I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea what I was in for. I had no idea what I was going through. Like I just, I was going with from basically appointment to appointment and given very little information. So she had had me do an ultrasound just before that appointment. And when I came in, she's like, all right, so how are you feeling? And I said, you know, I'm still throwing up. She's like, yeah. She's like, I see you've been on lots of medications. And I said, yeah. And she's like, well, you have hypermesis garvidium. I said, okay, what does that mean? She's like, you have an extreme morning sickness. She's like, it's, she gave me the stats, but she's like, you know, it's not every person that gets it. It's kind of a rare situation. She's like, and unfortunately it deems you high risk because we do need to monitor your blood pressure a little bit more um, and keep track of that as well as, you know, try to keep you getting foods in and trying to do those things. I said, okay, great. She's like, but it doesn't stop there. And I was like, oh, great. Here we go. And she's like, you actually have a placental abruption. And I was like, oh, so what does that mean? And she said, you know, you've got some detachment from the placenta from the uterine wall. And she's like, and because of that, as the weight of the baby gets bigger, it can tear more. And the issue with that is eventually it could abrupt completely and it may push you into labor. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, does that have anything to do with the hematoma that I had at 12 weeks? She's like, well, that was definitely a marker for it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, great. And she's like, you know, looking at your blood work, even from your first trimester, you had markers for 
the uh, hypermesis. She's like, I'm surprised nobody caught it. I said, well, they just kept throwing medications at me. So I'm assuming somebody saw something, but you know, she's like, well, we should have been able to help you more. Like that should have, that should have been the case. She's like, but unfortunately, unless you see an OB, that's generally not how it works. I was like, oh, okay, great. So I said, so what does this mean? She's like, this now deems you as high risk. And I said, okay, so what does that mean? She said, well, if you weren't already off work, which at that point I was, I was off work at 20 weeks because of throwing up so badly and not being able to keep nutrients in, you're off work now. And I was like, well, I'm already off work. So I, that works out. She's like, yep. So she's like, you're going to continue with, you know, rest and try to get eating and whatever else and move on. So fast forward at 27 weeks, my appointment um, was a very similar conversation, except I was a little bit more uncomfortable at that point, And I was having a little bit more bleeding than usual. So she put me on pelvic rest. And that meant pretty well bed rest minus the bed. So I was still allowed to get up and kind of move around, but I had to keep it really minimal. There was to be no exercising, no walking dogs, none of that. Um, and I was basically to keep real quiet. So... And obviously no sex, which unfortunately was a tough pill for Brady to swallow, but such is life. So from 27 weeks on, I was on pelvic rest at, um, that appointment. She basically said, okay, Paige, this is how it's going to go. And I said, Oh God, she said, so we need you to make it to 34 weeks at minimum. And I said, okay. She's like, I don't think you're going to make it to 34 weeks. I was like, okay. She's like, here's the thing. If you make it to 34 weeks, you can have the baby here in Stratford and our NICU can handle looking after it after that. If the baby comes before 34 weeks, we have to transfer you to London because we don't have the capabilities of dealing with some of the respiratory issues that come with a baby coming before 34 weeks. So then began the countdown of my life. I felt like I was every week. It was like a check mark. And all of our really close friends and family were also like, okay, like I get a message on Fridays being like, oh, you're at like 30 weeks. Woo. Okay, great. Um, because everybody was on that countdown with us. Like we really had support behind us and everybody was willing to help. It was just a matter of, there wasn't really much to help with other than keeping me calm and motivated. So that was fine. Um, the bleeding continued. We kind of monitored it. She said that if there was any big changes, or if I felt any big issues that I was to come into the hospital and go in through triage. So, um, lo and behold, <laughs> that happened. And we ended up going in because I was having some weird cramping. But my cramping was happening lower than my belly button and left to right, not up and down. So, for those of you who have been pregnant before, oftentimes they tell you that your... Um, Braxton Hicks or any kind of contractions will start from the belly button work their way down. For me, that's not what happened. I was having really weird cramping left to right and they couldn't really figure out what it was. So I ended up going in and they did some fetal monitoring and they said, you know, we're not really sure it could be Braxton Hicks, but just go home, keep an eye on it. If it happens again, come back in. Fine. They're like, you're high risk. So we're glad you came in because you know, you don't want to take any chances. So I think at that point I was 32 weeks. Um, and I was like, okay, like no problem. 
So fast forward, um, we had a couple incidents between there and 36 weeks, but nothing crazy. Like I was still throwing up. I was still not feeling well. And then magically at about 34 weeks, the bleeding stopped. And I was like, oh, that's peculiar. Okay. And wrote it off as, well, I guess we're in the next stage of life here. Um, and then we were dealing with a really busy time in life at that point. Um, September, October's are always busy for us between kids going back to school, birthdays, anniversaries, Thanksgiving, closing our trailer, you name it. It's a busy time. Then add in the fact that I had a baby shower that was a family run baby shower on top of trying to like go to all my appointments and get things done before this baby came and try to get a nursery done. And so it was a really busy time. Like I kind of felt like the last month and a half before our little guy was born was a bit of a whirlwind. So I will never forget the weekend of Thanksgiving because it is my stepson's birthday and it's also Thanksgiving. It's also when we closed the trailer and I think we had one other thing going on. And I remember Brady put Corbin to bed and he came downstairs and he said, I'm supposed to have a conversation with the baby and I'm supposed to tell him he's not supposed to come until after Corbin's birthday because Corbin wants to celebrate his birthday on his own. And I was like, well, good luck. This baby's going to come when this baby comes. So that Saturday we met a friend, we went to the Rockton fair. It was the most kind of exercise I had done, which I knew probably wasn't the best, but it was for Corbin's birthday. So we did a little bit of walking around and that was okay for me. I didn't feel super uncomfortable. I was actually feeling kind of good that day. I remember it very specifically. Um, the Sunday, I think we had a dinner and again, I was feeling okay. I had a bit of a heartburn and of course I didn't keep food down, even though it was my favorite meal of Turkey, but you know, I was still feeling pretty good. Monday, I can't remember what we did. I think it was kind of a quieter day. Um, we were chilling and hanging out and Tuesday I had some running around to do. I came home at three o'clock. I went to the bathroom and I kind of felt a little funny and I looked down and there was like a mucusy, bloody looking thing in the toilet. So I don't know about anybody else, but nobody off the hop told me about a mucus plug until I was pregnant. And it was not until probably even three quarters of the way through my pregnancy that I found out what a mucus plug was and what it did. But I didn't know what I was looking for. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure that that's a mucus plug. And I was about to go pick Corbin up and I called Brady and I was like, I'm pretty sure I just lost my mucus plug. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah, like, I'm also bleeding again. He's like, oh, we better keep an eye on that. Like, if it gets worse, we've got to go into the hospital. I was like, yeah, for sure. And luckily that night, like, we had Corbin, but we also had a friend of ours staying with us. And we're at dinner, and I was kind of eating, and I just didn't really feel right. So I sat down, and I was cleaning. When I was cleaning the kitchen, I had to sit down. Like, I was really uncomfortable. And I remember very distinctly, his friend looked at me and said, are you okay? I was like, I don't know. I said, maybe, maybe I do need to go in and get checked. And he's like, yeah, I think, I think you should. And I was like, okay. So I called in to triage, explained what was happening. And they said, yes, please come in. So Brady and I very quickly got everything ready. And keep in mind, I had my go bag for the hospital packed at 27 weeks because we didn't know what was going to happen. So I said, Brady, you got to get the go bag because I don't, I don't know if we're coming back. <laughs> and he's like, okay. So I got the go bag and got my 
stuff and the diaper bag and whatever. And he's like, okay, here we go. And I was like, all right. We went to the hospital and the doctor that saw me is one that has seen me before that was on. Um, it was nice because he knew my case and he had covered for my OB once before. So he had seen me in just regular um, circulation. So we got chatting and they did some fetal monitoring. There was nothing crazy going on. And they said, okay, like we're going to do a pelvic exam. And I said, okay, go for it. I've had pelvic exams before. This was super uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. This doctor was a very large man and he had very large hands, but that did not contribute to the fact that this was that uncomfortable. And so I was like, all right, whatever. So he came back and he said, you know, we ran your blood work. I did your cervix test. Like you're not dilated. He's like, we're not seeing anything crazy in the fetal monitoring. He's like, I think that you have a bladder infection. So at this point, this is now bladder infection number two in my pregnancy. And this girl has never had a bladder infection before in her life. Yes, I've had a kidney stone, no bladder infection. So I was like, all right. So he's like, we're going to give you a prescription for some antibiotics and send you home. So this is now like 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. Like, okay, no problem. So he writes the prescription, gives it to me. We head on our way. Brady's like, we'll fill it in the morning. It's 10 o'clock tonight. You know, I don't want to go sit at shoppers. Let's just get home. And I was like, yeah, I'm exhausted. Let's just get home. We got home. Of course, Corbin's already in bed. And we're sitting there chatting with our friend. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go up and lay down for a while. And, you know, just kind of monitor how I'm feeling. Because I still don't really feel right. And Brady said, okay, no problem. So I'm laying in bed. And I can't even remember what I was watching. But I went to roll over. And I felt like I peed myself a little. I was like, that's strange. I stood up. And Niagara Falls occurred. And so we went back to the hospital um, about an hour and a half later because I was like, I don't understand what's happening. And that's where I'm going to leave the story for now because I'm going to talk a little bit more about labor and delivery on another episode. But yeah, that was some of the crazy things that happened in my pregnancy. Some other things I didn't really detail that I thought were crazy that nobody ever told me about. Pelvic cracking. Um... So I very, I was very shocked to find out that all of a sudden out of nowhere, you have a ligament that softens and suddenly your pelvic bone from left to right starts to rub and it cracks. So if you move in certain ways, all of a sudden your pelvis is cracking. Um, it is not the same as some of the other experiences that I've had with anything down there. <laughs> Um, it was, it was very strange. So I, I had to ask questions to the OB about that. And she's like, no, it's normal. And sometimes like, it takes a while for that ligament to even come back or do anything. And before, like after pregnancy and to be honest, even after pregnancy, like I still, I still have cracking and it's very strange and it's out of nowhere. And it's normally when I'm doing any kind of yoga or sitting in a certain position that it happens, but it happens and it's very, very strange. Um, obviously the other things that I felt like I was not warned about going into pregnancy is how often you get bladder infections, yeast infections, um, urinary tract infections that seemed to be like an ongoing battle. And I was never really someone who suffered with those before. Obviously we all hear about morning sickness, but in my 
case, I guess I just didn't really expect to have it to that extent. Um, to the point that when all was said and done, I lost about 35 pounds. So I was definitely fitting into my clothes differently. And I remember going to shop for paint for the baby's room and I said, oh yeah, I'm shopping for nursery colors. They're like, oh, who's pregnant? It was like me. And they're like, you do not. And they're like, how far along are you? And I think at that point I was 26 weeks. And she's like, you do not look like you're 26 weeks pregnant. You look really good. And I was like, oh, thanks. But yes, yes, I am. I am 26 weeks pregnant. Um, some other things, I guess, that I, because of how my pregnancy went, I didn't do matte photos because I felt like the whole time I never really looked like I was pregnant. Something I kind of regret was not doing those photos because, I mean, as much as that was a difficult time, it led to a really wonderful time where I have this awesome baby. But at the same point in time, it's also not necessarily, like that time in my life, I don't really care to remember because it was a lot. It was traumatic. I feel like at every turn we were dealing with a complication or something going on or the possibility of losing our pregnancy. And it just, I feel like in some ways it gave me a little bit of like anxiety and well, it was very traumatic. So for me, it just didn't work, but I will say that some things that came out of it were, I was very fortunate to have a great group of friends and family around to support us. We had two baby showers, a gender reveal, as well as a diapers and wipes. And honestly, our friends and family were so good through the whole thing. The amount of messages and people stopping by to check in and like, I, I couldn't tell you the amount of people every day that I got a message from, how are you feeling? How's it going? Do you need anything? Is there anything I can do? Do you want to visit? Like, what do you need? And that's not something I'm used to experiencing. Um, I've always been a really independent person and this kind of forced me to have to be dependent on others because there were certain things I couldn't do, like lifting laundry up and down the stairs. I couldn't vacuum. Um, one of my girlfriends actually came over. She was over like a week and a half before I actually gave birth and like she cleaned my whole house, like top to bottom. I'm talking like scrubbed walls. And I will be forever grateful for my friends and my family and the people who stepped up to help us and make my pregnancy a little bit easier because it wasn't easy. And I just, it was good to know that I wasn't alone through all of it. That was the part that I struggled with the most was feeling that alone. And I didn't often have to feel that. Um, the alone generally happened when I was in there puking by myself and trying to hold it all together. So, but yeah, so those are some of the things that I experienced through my pregnancy that you may or may not ever experience, but it's good to know. What I will tell you through my whole experience in being pregnant is you have to be your own advocate. You have to know medically that you can stand up for what you think is right for yourself and be able to ask more questions and dive deeper into what you need um, to know to make yourself confident in the situation. Because I will tell you for the first half of my pregnancy, I felt like I was just going from appointment to appointment trying to understand what was happening. And I never feel like I really got an answer until I was with the OB I ended up delivering with and she explained what was going on and I could ask her anything at any time. So she was really good that way. Um, but the other half of that is you also have to advocate for yourself postpartum, which I will get into on a later date. 
So yeah, that is the ins and the outs of pregnancy. Fuck my life. Here we are. Um, if you guys have questions, feel free to pop them into our DMs on um, Instagram because I would love to answer anything you guys have in terms of like things I experienced through the pregnancy or, you know, diagnoses that I had. I'd happily explain them a little bit more thoroughly, but yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I can't begin to describe the immense gratitude I have for our listeners, friends, and family that continue to encourage and support this podcast. If you've loved this episode, share it with a friend or on your socials, and be sure to tag Uniquely Chambers so I can personally thank you.